Welcome to Emron's podcast, episode number 76. This is your host, Suman Silwal. And it makes me want to get back for the 2020 trials, but at the time it was, it was gut-wrenching. I was disappointed for myself. I was disappointed for them because a lot of people had a lot of time invested in getting me to that starting line. Visit emrons.com to listen to our previous podcast shows, links to our social media channels, as well as get discount codes for 7 Bridges Marathon and all South Asian Trail Series events. I'd like to welcome Erica Spiegel to Emron's podcast. I know Erica for a very long time. Last time, first time I met Erica was down, downtown Birmingham. We were running 5K. I was taking pictures, video, and uh, she beat the whole field. Uh, the men and women feel I didn't even know Erica, who, who Erica was, and I was, I was introduced to you back then, Erica. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. So uh, have you been running? Uh, looks like summer has ended suddenly and then uh, cool weather's in. Um, so have you been able to go out, Erica? I have. I actually, I was at the track yesterday morning with Joey Longoria. He was doing a marathon pace workout and uh, I went out there for that. And then I ran a little bit with Gary York, who's another one of my cadence athletes. And then I got to watch Gatlin work out, but I don't really, I'm not running with Gatlin much these days. More just watching him. Definitely. Um, Tell us about uh, your running background. Uh, we know uh, you've been running for a while, and um, you have appeared in uh, at least one uh, Olympic uh, trial, um, marathon trial, and many, many PRs, and you are currently state record holder for the state of Alabama. Give us a, your running journey. How, how did you get here? Um, I started running in middle school. I ran for Oak Mountain Middle School. Uh, then I went to Pelham. I ran for Pelham. I tried to go out for cross country my very first year, and they, they wouldn't let me on the team because I started too late. So I started running cross country sophomore year of high school. Um, had a great time at Pelham High School. We won a few team state championships, and that was the first time Pelham Track had ever won state. We had a we had a really good team, a really good coaching staff that just uh, gave us a love for running. And then from there, I went and ran for Auburn. Um I was down in Auburn for 98 through, I think my last SEC outdoor meet was 2003. I ran for Chris Fox down there, who was another just phenomenal coach. Um, I think he's like a 213 marathoner. So just a great resource, great guy to learn from. Um, his wife had actually been second in the 2000 Olympic trials. Um, so he and his wife were both just really good resources. And then coming out of Auburn. I moved back to Birmingham and started road racing. Um, I wasn't as serious about it maybe in my 20s when I was more kind of chasing a career. But once my career kind of settled down and I got settled in a position here, um, got more serious about it in my 30s, started marathoning. And eventually it led to qualifying for the Olympic trials in 2016. That's a great story, Erica. Um, just so you listener know that uh, I actually live in the city of Palom. The high school is about uh, five minutes from my house and kind of know the coach is right there now. Um, she's uh, our local hero. Uh, you, Erica, you don't live in Pelham right now, correct? No, I actually live in kind of the Indian Springs section of 119. Um, I live right beside the state park. Definitely. You're pretty close to Pelham, but uh, just so you know, so listeners know that, uh, so you, you're well-known runner here in, uh, in the city of Pelham, big city of Pelham. So uh, that's <laughs> great, to, <laughs> great to know. So do you consider yourself a natural runner or do you run to train? I mean, you, I have seen you being very fast runner. I mean, you know, what, what is your PR for 5K? 
1644. That's a pretty fast for a 5K um, a female runner. For yourself, do you consider as a natural runner? Is it? Do you think it was in your blood to run that fast, or, or did you train to be a runner? How does that work? Being a distance runner came to me naturally. Um, when I first started running in middle school and even freshman year high school track, I was determined I was going to be a sprinter, and I ran the 200 and the 400, and I was I was terrible at it. Um, you know, my coaches realized that I could run the same thing for 400 meters, the same pace that I could run for 200 meters. Um, and that was when they kind of keyed in on the fact that while I don't have the best foot speed, <laughs> I've got a really large engine. And so the next year they, uh, they moved me up to the mile, the two mile, and it was a really good fit. And um, eventually I ended up I guess senior year high school, I became the first girl from the state of Alabama to run under five minutes in the mile. Um, and a lot of that was just, it wasn't that I was especially fast. I ran like 216 for the 800, so I wasn't super fast. I could just go forever. Um, and that's kind of how I ended up becoming, you know, at first 5K, 10K on the roads, and then eventually half marathon, marathon. Um, I'm a real rhythm runner. Definitely. Uh, did you compete whenever you were in college? Uh, did you compete in track or are you in a distance in the track or, or, or the out in cross country or how, how did you do that and during the college years that you that you were at Auburn? So in college, we run cross country in the fall and then indoor track in the winter and outdoor track in the spring. So we race September through about June. Um, so I ran cross country was usually 5K to 6K distance. And then indoor track, I usually ran the 3K and the 5K. And then outdoors, my championship events were 5K, 10K. So it's it's still on the track. So so as you transfer from, as you moved away from running uh, on college and went, like you said, you you went in career, did you, did you train during those times or you just kind of gave up and run in? I still ran. I didn't really, you probably wouldn't consider it like formal training. I think... Um, the first time I really decided to get serious about it again after college is uh, 2010, I think. My my brother was looking at the trial standard, and he was looking at the girls that were running the trial standard, and Jason kind of said, you know, these girls aren't any faster than you. This, this is something <laughs> you can actually do. And so Jason put together um, a schedule, and we followed it. And, you know, I planned to try and qualify for the – 2012 trials and then summer of 2010 I I broke my foot and it ended up being a little bit more serious it required surgery and some permanent hardware in my foot um and so I missed the 2012 window and so as soon as the 2016 window opened um we decided to go for a qualifier and got it that's um that's amazing uh because um, because it's it's pretty hard to qualify, correct? Uh, so I mean, it's not not that easy, and then you had to run pretty fast to be a qualified runner, correct? Yeah, the the standard for 2016 um, originally the standard was 244, and then I think like eight weeks before the trials, they actually moved the standard to 245. Um, but originally, when I was chasing the standards, you had to run under 244 to get in. So how do they set those uh, standards? Um, um, looking at the field, or do they? Because, like you said, it changed from two forty four to two forty five. Yeah, it's based on the IAAF standards, and so when they moved to two forty five, it was because the Olympic trials or the Olympic marathon qualifier moved to two forty five, and so there's some rule with USATF to where the 
the trial standard can't be harder than the Olympic standard. And so that's where the adjustment came from. And that's how they, they set those standards. Got you. So how, uh, so I remember you running, uh, running the trial. Let's just focus on trial for now. Uh, I remember you running that uh, a few years back. Uh, tell us about your whole experience. Um, what do you, what was your experience like for, for the Olympic trials? And it's the, a mixed bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, qualifying was, was a dream come true. And then uh, I, the summer of 2015, I went up to grandma's. I ran 239 at grandma's and I felt like, you know, that really put me in a spot. You know, I really I was in a good spot. You know, we were going to target probably something in the 237, 238 range um, for L.A. And then I ended up I tore my Achilles and it took a while for it to be properly diagnosed. And then I spent the fall going through PRP injections, um, the platelet-rich plasma injections. And they did a series of three of those injections. And, you know, it was just a lot of waiting. And I really didn't think I was going to end up making it to the starting line of the trials. And then um, it was actually the day of Rocket City, December 2015, Rocket City. I woke up that morning and I thought, hey, my Achilles actually doesn't hurt. And so mm. with like six weeks to go to the trials, I ran my first steps on solid ground. And we pieced together a training schedule from there. Um, I went out to L.A. It just it wasn't my day. It was um, if you've read anything about that day in L.A., it was it was really, really hot. Um, I was severely undertrained, given that my buildup, you know, had been so abbreviated. And I actually ended up not finishing um, out in L.A. So that was kind of it was kind of a bittersweet ending. Wow. But the yeah. otherwise, the trials experience was great. It was really neat. That's uh, that's interesting because you're there, uh, you're qualified, you're there running your dream race uh, for you, and uh, you had to pull out. Uh, how difficult was it for you? I mean, it was it, it was gut wrenching at the time. You know, you, you gain perspective, and I look back on it now, and you know, it's ah, eh, it, it's it's another race, and it makes me want to get back for the 2020 trials. But at the time, it was it was gut wrenching because my parents had come out, my brother had flown in from Hawaii. You know, I had a lot of friends there from Birmingham that were watching, and friends that were tracking and watching back here in Birmingham. Um, so I was, you know, I was disappointed for myself. I was disappointed for them because a lot of people had a lot of time invested in getting me to that starting line. Um, but at the end of the day, it really is just one more race. Definitely. It's another race. Uh, uh, it's uh, another day. You live to tell that story. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> definitely. Uh, moving forward from there, uh, how did you bounce back uh, from that uh, disappointing day at the, at the trial? I think you had some incredible runs uh, after that, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I had decided I was going to run two months after the trials, run Boston. And I came out of the trials and I was like, ah, I'm never running a marathon again. Um, so you, you have those thoughts, too? That you... <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. I absolutely told Jason after the race, I was like, ah, I, I'm too old for this. My body can't handle this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, I'm through marathoning. Um, you know, and I... I came back to Birmingham. I, I gave up my spot in Boston and uh, tried to figure out what I was going to do. And so I, I started racing and I first race after the trials, I ran the wine 10 K and I won it and um, won a little bit of money. And I had, I had fun. 
I mean, it was really fun again. And the buildup to the trials had been really stressful. And so from there, I put together across maybe 14 weeks. I raced 10 times all over the Southeast. You know, I raced in Mississippi a few times. I raced up in Huntsville. I raced down in Mobile. Um, and I ran, you know, I ran some of the best races of my life. I actually ran my 5K PR that spring. Um, and I, I had fun with it. And I think that was the important part was I needed to, I needed to remember why I did it. And it needed to, it needed to become fun again. Definitely. Well, um, before you go move forward on this, you, you found this was uh, fun and enjoyable because you had less stress and uh, you had less expectation. How, how does that work? Or both. Yeah, I, I really had, you know, I had no real expectation. I was signing up for races the week <laughs> of the race, you know, and just I, I was having a good time with the training. Gatlin and I were going out to the track on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I mean, we were just we were running hard and we were running fast. And we actually both um, got our spikes out and we're running in spikes again. And I ran a track race that spring, too, which I hadn't been on the track since the spring of 2003. Um, and it was just, it was fun again. Everything about it was fun. Um, I really enjoyed it. Definitely. And moving on to that thought about uh, what else you did uh, post-trial. Uh, so I, I wrapped up that cycle, went out to um, Hawaii, spent a couple of weeks with Jason and my little niece, Emily, and decided to run um, run some longer stuff in the fall. And so I did that this past fall. So how was, it, how was your time like now since, since has it improved on your marathon and distance race? Uh, how, does it, how does your distance race like? I ran my half marathon PR at Magic City back in November. I ran just under 115.30, I think 115.28. Um, and so that was, that was a little bit of a PR, but I was, I was happy with it because I think that course is pretty tough. And then after that, I think three weeks later, I ran Rocket City. And Rocket City, I didn't run a PR, but I ran 241 by myself. And uh, set the state record because to set state records, you have to actually run the race in the state, you know. And so I set the state record for the women's marathon up there in Huntsville in December of 16. Definitely. Uh, I remember that day when you, when you set that state record. Uh, very exciting for us uh, because I don't know many state record holder in a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I know some distance and distance racers about a marathon. Probably you're the first one, you know, first one for going to Olympics and trial and then, then going to going to what do you call setting some state record. That's an incredible story. Uh, talking, uh, moving a little bit further, um, uh, tell us about, uh, I, I had that question for you earlier, um, as, asking whether it was a natural or, or, um, or you did by the, because of the training. Um, I guess you had both aspects of it, correct? I, I mean, you said that it may be natural, but, uh, but still you had to put training to match that, n uh, natural, uh, what do you call, it, uh, athletic ability you have, correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Jason puts together really difficult training cycles. And that's, you know, that's always been one of my one of my strengths, too, is that I'm, I'm really good at putting my head down and doing the work. Um, you know, I think the build up for Rocket City, I think we built up for that marathon in eight weeks, but it was like, six weeks of 100 plus miles a week, and then a two week taper. Um, and I've just I've you know, I guess that's one of my strengths is just the ability to do the work and I enjoy it. You yeah. know, I enjoy the mileage. I enjoy the workouts. 
Definitely. Uh, that's that's important to enjoy the miles and enjoy the workout because if you don't enjoy it, it's a hundred mile a week and it's a lot of work and, you know, time wise and, you know, things you're spending, you know, away from things you could be doing other fun stuff. But but tell us about uh, your training. Uh, what kind of training do you do you put in that Jason puts in for you? Um, a standard week is so if we start our week on Monday, I'll do and this is like what a week looks like during marathon training. I'll do a double on Monday, usually 10 and 5, 10 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon. Tuesday, I'll be on the track for something fast. Wednesday, I'll double again. Thursday is usually more of a marathon tempo work. Friday is usually a single run. Saturday will be a long run, and I usually double back on Sunday with something that's more like a medium long run, an MLR. So Saturday I would go 20 or 22, and then Sundays I'd usually come back and run maybe 13 to 15. Definitely. Whenever you run any of these long runs, do you put a lot of speed? You know, you, you run pretty fast. Your slow probably is my fast, but <laughs> but that's that's a, that's for a different talk, different day. But talking about it for you, do you put a push, push uh, miles with the distance, or, or are you kind of, what do you call uh, dial it down a little bit uh, whenever you go distance and during your training? Uh, during marathon training, most of my long runs end up turning into kind of natural progression runs. So I'll, you know, my first couple of miles, I mean, I'm old and I have a lot of miles on my legs. <laughs> the first couple of miles are always slow and kind of weird to look at. Um, and then I, you know, I find my groove and I'll, I'll slowly work it under seven minutes and then I'll just slowly work it down to, you know, Mid low sixes by the end of the run. So you go as you go forward, you get faster and faster. That's what it sounds like, correct? Yeah, yeah. So for like a twenty or twenty-two miler, um, you know, I would I would probably open the first couple of miles over eight minutes, but the whole run would probably average maybe six forty. Wow. Yeah. That's one thing I mentioned over and over to a lot of podcast listeners probably uh, have heard many times I'm saying I'm always back the pack, slow runner doing the training runs. Uh, maybe that's not a way always um, I should be doing, but, but when it comes to race day, I'm always uh, trying to push my pace. Uh, for you, uh, does that uh, pushing the pace during the training, does it hurts or helps for you and personally thinking for you? I think that what we do on race day tends to replicate what we can do in training. You know, if you learn to kind of go to the bad place and deal with it in training, I think you know how to do that when you get there on race day. But pushing the pace, uh, is it injury prone uh, to do those kind of things or do you think it's okay to push pace? Uh? I think that there are days in your cycle where you should be running hard and then there are days in the cycle where you should be just absolutely jogging. And so like Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, if you ever see me on Lakeshore, I mean, I, you know, I'm not running fast. It's real easy. It's with friends. It's joking around. But then if you see me on Tuesdays or Thursdays, um, it's fast. It's hard. I'm running quick, you know. Definitely. So during the during this training time, do you try to break yourself, like you said, uh, try to see go to places that uh, that you may get get in the race day? And says, so is that the concept that that you have? Well, it's more it's more getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, you know, Jason purposely never gives me just one workout that's just supposed to bring me to my knees or break me. But um, it's it's a steady workload, and so. You know, he'll send me into those marathon tempos on 
Thursday and I'm usually pretty tired for those runs, you know, and it'll be a 15, 17 mile day with say 10 miles at marathon pace. And I am supposed to go into that fatigued and I'm supposed to figure out how to work through that fatigue. Definitely. Do you, uh, during your training, do you try to eat, uh, drink? Um, how, how do you, how do you manage those during the, during your hard long runs? Uh, hard long runs. I, I really, you know, and on this point, this is one of those things where I have to tell my athletes do as I say and not as I do. Cause I tend to be kind of like a camel. I don't require a lot on the <laughs> run. Um, you know, I, I don't usually stop for anything to drink. I'll have a couple of gels on me and I'll hit those while I'm in motion. But if I, if I'm running by myself on a long run, I'm probably not going to stop and drink. Um, I'll just, I'll hit a couple of gels maybe during the run and that's about it. Um, but that is not what I recommend other people do. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, talking about that, uh, talking about your athlete, um, I, my daughter went recently went through the summer summer camp with you. Uh, she's excited, and uh, you coach uh, you coach people. Uh, tell us about your coaching now. Uh, tell us what do you do? How, how many people you usually tra- coach? I mean, you have coached the girls as well. I mean, you know, uh, give us some some background in your coaching. Yeah. So. I guess um, if you heard Carrie Morgan tell the story, Carrie would tell you I've always informally just told people what to do. <laughs> but um, I, I have always liked kind of weighing in on on people's training, just kind of telling them, you know, what what I think about what they're doing. Um, and then Carrie started Cadence Run Coaching a few years ago and asked me if I'd like to come on board as a coach. Since I already had a couple of athletes in town I was working with, I was working with Carrie. And then um, I've coached Gatlin for three or four years now. Um, you know, I had, a, I had a handful of athletes since so I moved into a more formal coaching position with Carrie um, through Cadence. And this summer, specific to, specific to Isabel, which I really, really enjoyed. I put on a cadence summer cross country camp and it was for um, just a half dozen girls here in town and we'd meet twice a week. And it was just, it was an opportunity. Yeah. For me to run with them and do, you know, to show them workouts and stuff, but also just for me to tell them all the little things I've picked up along the way, things about injury and strength training and recovery and fueling and just share all those secrets. Cause that, that age group is really probably my very favorite is that middle school to high school age. I feel like those are the, that's the age group I can make the biggest difference with. Definitely. Yeah. Isabel's enjoy running. Um, I'm I'm hoping she can put more races uh, on her calendar, but her school load is just <laughs> incredible. Yeah. But um, but definitely, uh, you brought it helped to bring back that passion uh, of running to her. Hopefully, she can continue. You know, as a parent, I cannot pressure. Even though I'm a runner, and try to try to tell her that that she should be running, but uh, I don't try to pressure her. But uh, but talking about your 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 coaching, uh, what is your coaching style uh, for for you? Uh, what do you believe? Um, I mean, you know, even though you you tell people, but what is what is your core value of, as a coach? I, you know, I think I think the most important question that I sit down with any new athlete is, you know, what are you looking to get out of this and what are you able to give to it? Because I I can write someone a plan that's a hundred miles a week for a two forty five marathon, but maybe that's not what they want to do. Maybe that doesn't line up with their goals or their lifestyle. And I, I think that your training and your goals need to fit your life because 
you're less likely to have excuses. You're less likely to miss the training and you're more likely to enjoy it because let's be serious. None of us are getting paid to do this. We do it because we enjoy it. Um, and I think sometimes we lose that enjoyment when we get so caught up in the times and chasing the BQs and, you know, setting the goals. I think sometimes we forget and we strip that enjoyment out of it. And I think the enjoyment's important. So, so you, you think that, uh, we should uh, we should look into having more fun during the training and racing, or or do you like uh, it to be more focused oriented as well? Because for me, is that racing is pretty much focused. Um, I mean, I have seen over and over myself racing with a focus and training with uh, more, like you said, enjoyment. So, so how how does that balance works? Coach Fox at Auburn taught me that I run my fastest when I'm happy. Um, you know, fortunately for me the happiest I am is in the middle of a big, heavy training cycle. So that works out well for me. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think for all of us that, that we run best when everything's kind of balanced. Um, I see that in my athletes too. You know, they, they don't have to tell me something's going on in their life for me to be able to look at their running and go, Hey, what, what's going on in your personal life? Like what's, what's going on? Cause you see it reflected in their training. So I think, I think balancing everything's important. And I think, you know, as a coach, my responsibility is to put together a training cycle that you can be successful in, um, whatever that looks like. And it's different for everyone. Definitely. Uh, uh, talking about uh, training, racing, uh, um, you, you mentioned several times about the injuries uh, uh, and then you have bounced back from, from it. Uh, give us a kind of people like I'm right now I'm going through the injuries myself uh, a little bit of uh, injuries uh, uh, I flipped my ankle first mile of 21 mile race uh, on the trail I continued on but but uh, and give us uh, give us out how did you manage to bounce back and be strong once you got back running uh, give us some 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 uh, some tips and tricks you you used or as a as being a being a runner, fast runner, you know, the champion for us. So you know, I think a lot of it is just is having a good support system around you. You know, some of my worst injuries that I've had, you know, I won't miss a day or two of my friend Carrie or Deanna sending me a text and going, Hey, how are you feeling? How are you doing? When are you gonna start running again? Um you know, you said this Tuesday you were going to try it out. Have you tested it yet? Well, how did it respond? You know, I think I think having a good support system is important. Um, you know, I have a good massage therapist in town that I work with, Hal Richardson. Um, my friend Carrie Heidrich is she's a PT here in town, and then Carrie Morgan's a PT in town, and so they're able to really give me some feedback. But just you know, a big part of my social network is it's my running friends. And so, you know, I want to get back out there. I, I miss it and I want to get back out there with my friends. And, you know, I think that that's where a lot of that motivation to kind of pick yourself up from another injury, get put back together and get back out there and get to training with your friends. Cause it is, you know, there's a strong social component to it. Definitely. I've, I've, I've been, I was in the middle of the uh, training and I was going heavy, heavy training and suddenly this happens, and then I have to pull back, and then it's not easy for me. Mm. So you know, so so, but but I will be back, uh, back out running soon. So so it's not not what do you call season endings, uh, not yet that I know of. But yeah, but it's 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 kind of difficult. Um, I mean, as a runner, most of us we I have gone through injuries. You know, there's always some sort of injuries every season that I go through. So <laughs> so it's not a not not a new thing. But it's nice to not to have that, I guess. Uh, 
So, so and on that on that note, uh, how how can you prevent from injuries? I mean, injuries is going to happen, correct? Uh, how what is the prevention measures you can take on on injuries? You know, I tell I tell Gatlin all the time. I tend to think that sleep and food can fix almost anything. I think that you know, if you're taking care of yourself outside of the training, prioritizing sleep, prioritizing recovery via fueling, um, I think I think that's a large part of it. And I think that specifically the sleep is where a lot of us tend to skimp. Um, and you can't do that when you're marathoning. You need the rest. You need the recovery. And then, you know, um, Gary York is a good example of this. And he reminds me of this almost weekly is just being diligent about the little things. He's he's such a diligent person about his diet and about his recovery. And, um, it, it, you know, it really allows him to maximize what he gets out of himself. And it's it's a good reminder to me to watch him, you know, because I watched I watched Gary just be very diligent in the little things and all those little things add up to those big PRs. And I, I know that it's just good to watch it in practice. Definitely. Uh, that's, that's a great point. Um, you know, we, we tend to keep on adding and adding, and adding, not to taking care of little things and let it grow, you know. So, and at the end, you know, this, this boom, there's a injury happening or something's happening. That's, that's going to stop, but definitely, I uh, need to look into that also continue focus on the little things too so that it won't add up so that's that's what I'm looking at Erica it's, it, it, it's great to listen to you about many many aspects of running uh, you have so many backgrounds so so much things you do uh, for a running community um, let's move forward uh, uh, let's go to sprint round I call it sprint round there's have a series of questions um, so let's do that you ready for that let's try it and let's try it uh, what type of uh, GPS device do you wear Garmin 10 Garmin 10. Uh, what type of shoes do you wear? New Balance 1080s if I'm training, and then I usually race in a 1400 or a 1600. So, so you're a New Balance runner, sounds, sounds like. I am. Uh, the, I'm sure New Balance <laughs> here in Birmingham would like to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> what inspires you to be who, who you are and what you do as a runner? I, I'm really inspired by the people around me. I mean, you know, I watch I watch my friends like Eric Langley that balances, you know, three young kids. I mean, he's a great dad, great husband, has his own law practice and still goes out and runs 248, 247 for the marathon. Um, you know, I think I think he's so inspiring. I watch Micah Morgan run 100 miles um, you know, 90 degree heat and win the whole thing. And, you know, I think she's just incredible. I watch Carrie Indiana every year qualify for the world championships in Kona. I've got all these fantastic people around me and I just, I try to rise to their level. I, I think that's what inspires me every day. Definitely. Uh, what is your biggest struggle for you as a runner? Uh, probably balancing it all. <laughs> Finding a little extra time in the day. You know, going back and looking, finding time for all those little things that I know are important. So do you, um, and follow back on, on this question, do you struggle to uh, do the little things or do you, as a runner, do you ignore some of those things and running? If, if you're given an option between running and uh, doing the small thing, what would you do? That's what I was, I was about to say. <laughs> I'm always more likely to run two more miles than I am to get into the gym and do my strength work. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> you hit that on the head for me too. Yeah. 
Again, that's one of those things that it's do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, people always say, like, you can just do that. It's like, nope, I'd rather run that two extra miles or whatever. Or, uh, or, I get you. <laughs> <laughs> so are you only a road runner? Uh, you only do road, correct? You're not a trail runner. You haven't, you haven't kind of got, you haven't started running trails or anything like that. You know, I live right on the red trail. And I, I love being on the trails. I could not be more awkward on the trails. Um, my, my husband can tell you the number of times I've come back to the house in the morning after running on the trails and I'm just bloody and beat up. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I love them. They don't love me. <laughs> That's a trail is a different place to be. It's a wonderful some days and like I'm suffering right now. I'm, I'm yeah. flip, flip my ankles like it's from the trail. So, but definitely a running trail is a different beast uh, on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, talk about uh, running trails or running, running. Are you a downhill racer, uphill climber? Do you like, uh, what is your preference on, 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 on running? Some, some say it's flat, but, but that's not an option here. You know, if you look at if you look at Peavine Falls every year, I do the very best coming back down. <laughs> I, I'm I'm really good at letting go and just flying down that hill. I can climb okay, but I, I'm really good at taking the brakes off and flying down. Definitely. Uh, give us a one running advice you have received that that you keep that in your heart. My my buddy Mel always says uh, the marathon isn't a race so much as an exercise in resource management, and that's that's currently one of my one of my favorite go tos. That's a great great line there because a hundred mile is very similar to that. It's not a race at all because you gotta you gotta learn to bounce back and forth, you know. And if you don't manage your resources, and you know you you bouncing back and forth more often than you like. Yeah. Um, what did your peak of your training look like? Give us a give us that that moment. What is what is the peak? Uh, you know the peak week uh, if you're training for a marathon. Um, peak week would probably be 22 on Saturday. Come back and run 15 on Sunday. Double up on Monday and run what would end up being 15 miles total. Tuesday I'd be on the track running intervals at 5k pace, usually somewhere around 4k to 6k worth of intervals at 5k pace. Uh, Wednesday would be a double at recovery pace. Thursday, um, for whatever reason, the hardest workout that Jason gives me or the one that I struggle the most with is uh, four by 15 minutes at, at tempo pace, and that ends up being you know 10 miles worth of work. And for some reason, I all struggle i think it's probably a fueling issue with that workout um and then we'll come back on friday i'll run 10 easy uh you know and that we that week will end up being somewhere like below 100 miles something like that but that's probably my single peak week so you peak at 100 miles around that how many weeks before marathon is that uh i usually will stay up there until about i guess probably three weeks out um and then with three weeks to go we'll back that third week down i'll be maybe 85 then two weeks out i'll be low 70s mid 60s and then week of is just a bunch of jogging and that that was my follow-up question there uh, how is your taper like uh you just don't don't just go lie in the bed and sleep uh try to catch up your sleep or or no just, i uh, do uh i do the same two workouts every taper tuesday before marathon will be 5k at marathon pace and then the thursday before is five by one k at marathon pace and then saturday or sunday i race well, definitely. Do you uh, uh even th- do you follow this for even 5k races or just the distance race? Just the distance races. Uh, you know, if I'm racing a local 5k or 10k, 
I won't really taper for that. We'll usually, uh, instead of doing a Tuesday, Thursday workout, I'll do a workout on Wednesday and then race on Saturday. Yeah, for me, is I don't really push anything. Once I once I race that week or the closure of the race, I, I really start to slow it down because I don't want to uh, sustain any injuries and stuff like that, I guess. Yeah. You you take it a little differently. So uh, what is your favorite race so far you have run? How many marathons have you done? I think I've done, gosh, maybe six or so my my favorite marathon hands down is chicago i think that's i think it's such a great race um you know it's, it's the big city marathon but without but without kind of the logistical issues of a new york or a boston and it's such a fast course i'm headed up to chicago and um, i think it's oh good a, yeah i think it's a month month from now i'll be pacing chicago i pace every I, year I wanted to. I I really want to go up this year. Um, I've got a couple of athletes running it. Really wanted to go up and watch it. And I'm having a hard time getting my husband to let uh, let me go up there and run around the course seven seven and a half months pregnant. So <laughs> I'm currently losing that fight. <laughs> <laughs> may may not be a good idea. So definitely. But yeah, Chicago is definitely a nice race. A nice place to be. Nice race. Beautiful time yeah. of year. Most of the time it's cool weather. Lately it's been a little warmer. Uh, maybe you want to warn you athlete. Um, it's cooler when you start and kind of warms up pretty yeah. fast. So Yeah, when you're coming back down Michigan. Yeah, 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 that, that long yeah, stretch that long after stretch. Trinitone. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm running in 30 minutes behind. 4:30 groups starts a little bit, little bit later on, but half an hour behind the, the first wave. So, but, but definitely, it's a, um, it's wonderful days. Is anybody going to Chicago? And look, look me up at 4:30 pace group. So I'll be there. I, I got my ticket already. So I've already registered. I'm just waiting for a couple of things, but, but I'm headed that way. So, so I'll, I'll bring you some photos. Uh, definitely, Erica. Yeah, and you'll have to eat some deep dish for me, frying up, and let me go up. <laughs> or I'll bring you some deep dish, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Uh, if they let me put that in an airplane. Um, is there any race that you haven't run before you like to run? Maybe Olympic, maybe? What is the next Olympic, 2020? The next games are 2020, yeah. Then that'll be. So how are you going to bounce back to Olympic now? So oh, that's you, a good question. <laughs> <laughs> this I, will be this probably is a long for, long format question, but I I went ahead and put in the sprint round. So yeah, um, gosh, I I I don't know. I'll probably you know ideally I'll spend the spring and summer basing, trying to just regain fitness, um, lose some weight. I'm sure, and then uh, maybe November or December try and try and put together a fast marathon you know the trial standard I keep telling myself is only 245 and I've run 239 so surely I can get in 245 shape but we'll we'll see how we'll see how to balance everything next year this should be interesting definitely we have this on your on the recording so so now we <laughs> we'll have to just follow through definitely <laughs> yeah. but definitely um, you'll do great uh, I know you too well so so uh, talking about one thing I think I've, I missed here uh, uh what kind of nutrition plan do you follow the race and pre-race nutrition or training nutrition what kind of things you do throughout the cycle of your training um i like i like power gels i keep it really simple um i use the one-time caffeine strawberry banana one early and then late i'll do the two times caffeine um orange one and you know those seem to work for my stomach seem to work for me and so i'll i'll hit a gel probably 
10 minutes before they start the race and then try and hit one um, every 45 minutes after that. And that, you know, I'll take that. And then I, I tend to just either not wash it down with anything or wash it down with water. Definitely. Uh, does that, uh, how long does it gel and any, 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 any nutrition like that to kick in? Does it take a while to kick in? Uh, in your experience, how long does it take usually? I feel like it takes about 10 to 15 minutes to hit your system. Got you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm more conscious about eating, eating food. I do even in my trail races. Now I'm eating more often than before. I, before I just starve myself. Now I'm just eating throughout the race. Uh, you know, I'm grabbing food. I have a vest. I put, put my food, drinks, you know, I'm, I'm all out now. I had a couple of bad incidents where I was almost falling asleep and, you know, things like that because I was not eating, eating throughout the race. So now I'm putting more food, I mean, solid food for the, for the distance, ultra distance races. So. Yeah, Jason kind of had explained the fueling to me as, you know, we're trying to ride those peaks and valleys. And he said, you know, quit, quit trying to ride the peaks and valleys and try and kind of smooth that out. So move your move your gels closer together. So you're not ever really noticing that dip. You know, you don't you don't feel that dip. You don't go, oh, hey, I really need to hit it gel. Because by the time you actually realize like, Oh, wow, I really need to fuel. You're a little bit too late if it's something that's going to hit your system in 10 or 15 minutes. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, Jason's just got, he's got a stomach of steel. And I, I think the last time he and I raced a marathon together, he took down seven or eight gels. I mean, it was just something crazy. <laughs> that's a you know, lot. And I think, I think I got down like two and a half. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he said, you know, you look at it as, as riding the peaks and valleys. And so you try and try and bring your fueling closer together to kind of even that out, even those curves out. Definitely. Uh, one of the things I've noticed uh, doing this uh, for even the listener to think about this for ultra distance, any distance race uh, or even training, uh, before I used to be very miserable at the finishing, you know, because I'm hungry and tired and just, just things were not right with the, with what I'm doing now, eating a lot throughout the race, you know, uh, so that it keeps me going. It's, I felt good at the at the end of the, end of the race. I was not as, you know, I'm ready to go drink, uh, go to the beer line straight. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't need the rest time in between. You know, drink water, start drinking beer. So that's what I usually do now. So that's a that's advantage. So Erica, we we talked about so many different things: training, your racing, uh, nutrition. I mean, we have full of things in this podcast. Uh, uh, before we close this interview, I would like to give uh, I would like you to give what advice to all the listeners who are listening. Uh, keep keep dreaming. Keep. Keep pursuing that dream like you have and like like you continue to have to go to Olympic one day, at least you know, go to trial and keep dreaming bigger dreams um, as as you run run the distance or shorter distance, longer distance. Give a word of advice. I guess the best word of advice I have is figure out what makes you happy and do that thing. If that's marathoning, if it's ultras, if it's being on the trails, if it's being on the track, figure out what makes you happy and go do that thing. Definitely. That sounds a great word of advice. Uh, Erica, uh, thanks for coming to Emran's podcast. Before we close, uh, how can you, how can um, our listener can find you if they they need some coaching advice or 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 anything else uh, or follow you your journey? Uh, how how can how can they find you? Probably the best way to follow me is via Kerry's Cadence Run Coaching page. Um, you know, he does a great job keeping everything updated. Uh, and that's probably the best way to get in touch with me too. Or look for me out on Lakeshore Trail. I'm usually there. Definitely. Um, 
Kerry was on Emron's podcast, uh, beginning of the year. So if if you want to listen, I'll put that in. So note, uh, he's a great runner, local runner. So so he's a uh, another ins- inspiring runner here in Birmingham. Um, Erica, it's it's been really a pleasure to talk to you. This has been our first interview. We touched so many different things. Uh, so hopefully you can come back to Emron's podcast and uh, talk a little bit more about training and and more in in the future. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I enjoyed catching up with you. Thank you, and thanks for all you do. Talk to you later. If you have a need to cover your events from marketing to taking photos, please contact mruns.com by emailing at marathonruns at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of Emeralds Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast channel, Voice of Runners, at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and more. And also follow our social media channel, Marathon Runs, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.